Welcome back to our last episode for the first season of Beacon 23, MGM Plus's adaptation of Hugh Howey's book of the same name. Again, this is the eighth episode, the final episode of the first season. This is your host, Paul, and I am joined once again with Inez and Gabby. This episode was called Adamantine, which means basically like hard or unbreakable, but like a shell or something that's very hard. What would you guys take from that name, given what you saw in this episode? Yeah, no, I guess I could see that. Unbreakable, we're going to go straight straight to it. and uh, Can't get around it. Spoiler yeah. alert, some big shit happens in this. We're going to talk right about it. Yeah, so apparently messiahs get crucified, and maybe that's exactly what this uh, title is all about. Shoot her straight into martyrdom, right? That remains to be seen. We do know that in this area, certain things can happen when you're close to death. And she did have the reflection of the artifact in her cornea there as the episode was ending. And Olive transcended in like pretty much the same spot, just a couple of meters away. Who knows what's going to happen with Aster after she got the million dollar baby head <laughs> treatment. We know because she is artifacts baby Jesus. Artifacts, baby Jesus. Oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is a concrete fact we've learned. <laughs> All right. Aster had a lot going on in this episode. We just jumped to the end of what she did, but let's examine all that she did in this episode. So she had multiple hallucinations or something where I think we were supposed to interpret that she was able to look into some aspect of the artifact without actually being in the artifact. She was like seeing figuratively through the window. What do you suppose we were supposed to get out of a couple of those scenes? Like in the first one, the little girl is standing at a window that looks like it's got like um, kind of a wooden frame and it's in cinder blocks, not very spaceshipy. In another one, she's looking out of something that looks like a, a porthole from a seagoing vessel. And all the windows that we've ever seen on Beacon 23 haven't had that kind of round porthole feature. They've actually been hard to see out of because they've been like recessed into the walls in a funny way. What did you guys draw from like the child looking through the windows, child being seen with Aster in a, like a Macy's sweater? What did you guys get out of that, Inez? I don't know. I felt like this was like Aster's, the curiosity, that draw that she has to this thing and has to keep going. And she knows that there's purpose. She knows that there's something that needs to be said. And so that's like the young version of her is her actually like trying to like find the information through all of this and find the message, gather the message, right? That's what she keeps asking. So mm -hmm. I'm going to have to ponder a little bit as the conversation goes to see to as i learned from you both i think you both, i want to i'm curious but well, yeah so that's as far as i've got <laughs> okay that's fair because it is it's meant to be abstract i think it's kind of the dreamy I'm very bad nature of it <laughs> yeah i am too so that's why i have the podcast so that people can help me figure it out <laughs> <laughs> but in this case 
I think you're on to something that it might be that like she's not in the artifact yet. She is only just receiving a message and the message might be, hey, come to the artifact. Let's see what you got to say. What's interesting about seeing her own self and then seeing Halen and then telling Halen later, I saw a part of you in there is the way that she phrased it was it suggests like part of them is of the artifact. What did you, Gabby, get out of that aspect of what she was seeing? I really appreciate your observation on that porthole, actually, because I noticed that, but I didn't think much of it until this moment, and I really appreciate that. Because you're right, that does give a really nautical feel, which is the foreshadowing pool to the lighthouse, which is nice, our original beacon. Mm-hmm. And so that's cool. But also, I love how you just described it as a Macy's sweater. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, you're right. I was weirded out by that. I'm like, are we in a Hallmark movie? What the fuck is this? This is not part of, like, the dystopian vibe that I've I think you go writing. back and So that was really funny. Fashion. It was too warm. Needed to get the fuck out. That's hilarious. But... Yeah, so what I did find interesting was how they both, for the very first time, talked about staying at the Beacon. In the last episode, they said that leaving is totally pointless and depressing, but it's better than staying. And then in this episode, they both said that they wish that they could just stay there. So they found this comfort. And so that is a really interesting parallel with what her visions were, which were the opposite of everything we've experienced, which was like a warm pool, exactly. And one thing that I did notice, though, that happened before is she, as a child, wanted to get out. She was going crazy looking out of the window all the time, and I took that as her being cold and wanting to exit the beacon and transcend that. And now that she's like older and experienced whatever she had to, and it's time, it was like, She's not in the beacon yet, but it's just like her purpose. And apparently it's all, it's also Halen's purpose. And I'm curious on if it was always Halen's purpose or if it became Halen's purpose at a certain point when he ingested the, the artifact or the relic mm-hmm. and then tied himself to her. And so now they are a pair. So because of their artifact selves are looking after each other. So they're entwined mm-hmm. in all yeah, realities. Exactly. I think that is probably the case since you just calling it this Macy sweater now has me picturing it as a Hallmark alternate (laughs) reality for them. (laughs) And I feel a lot better than about how I, like from when I originally was just- Right, he's a baker in Vermont now. (laughs) (laughs) He's taking care of her younger child self and (laughs) he's a baker in Vermont. Yeah, exactly. He did give me that vibe for sure. Well, I mean, throughout the this episode with the, the combination of talking to Kier, talking to Olive, and then the hallucinations, by the end of it, she's pretty well convinced that she doesn't know exactly what they mean, I don't think, but she does know that she does want to go out to the artifact and that she wants Halen with her. What is the vibe here between these two? Is it some sort of codependence, but not romantic? Is there something romantic? But I'm just not seeing it because they never seem to be in very close proximity. And that's normal ways for romantic things to happen. <laughs> what am I seeing of their relationship that I might be missing? 
I don't know. I think that they're comrades. I think that they have a, a higher purpose. And I think that it's, oh, okay. So this was another thing that was interesting that I noticed. I noticed that all of the, the pairings in this show are like male and female. Olive's balanced out second half would have been Sophie, this pirate girl and her cyborg guy, Aster's parents, and then Halen and Aster. So I think that's interesting. Not all of those dynamics were romantic. And so that does make me think that for them, it is more of a utility calling purpose dutiful thing. I don't get any vibes for romance at all. But yeah, I mean, I could be wrong. But Inez, do you have any thoughts on them? I don't think that there is like a romantic connotation between these two. I think they're dynamic as I've been mentioning consistently through each episode that it's just like this growing, deeply embedded trust. They just really have a deep respect and trust with each other regarding the mission. And so they just do what they need to do to fulfill this stuff. And maybe because he mentioned, Haley mentions that he sees struggle when he sees the artifact versus like she feels like she's in a dream that she understands. And then when she comes out of it, it doesn't make sense, but she knows that there's something really important there. I didn't get a chance to answer the first question, which is like the theme of Unbreakable within the episode. And I feel like their kinship, their relationship, their they're everything. They're like co-workers. They're just like trusted comrades, like Gabby said, right? I think that's what the dynamic is. It is a platonic relationship in there, but it's not a romantic love. So unbreakable for me in here would be like their relationship. I feel like their relationship is really solid. He tried to leave, but it obviously he couldn't do it because of his relationship with her. I think Unbreakable also applies to Aster herself. She never wavers for a moment on her mission. She's staying on it. She's negotiating it. Her Unbreakable relationship that she has with Halen was included in her negotiations, even if he didn't request it. So I feel like that's their dynamic. You could even apply that Unbreakable adjective to Kier's devotion to his quasi-religion, <laughs> the lengths he goes mm -hmm. to are pretty far in this one. Yeah. Then on a rewatch, then all of a sudden knowing how it ends, all of the clues about don't trust Kier, Kier's going to do something to you if you don't look out. That all, it sounds like whatever on the on your first pass. But on the second pass, it's like, oh, they were telegraphing this. They even had like a Chekhov's gun a couple of times with Halen laying that kind of shotgun looking blaster down and then the camera lingering on it. Sorry, that's funny. I absolutely caught the foreshadowing every time, actually. And Did you? I, yeah, and I, it was super cheesy for me. I was like, I finally got the cheese. And I thought of you, Inez, especially in the beginning where there's just, hey, our safe word is lasagna. I'm like, there you go. There's my cheese. It's dripping all over this episode. <laughs> I thought the same thing, I, that it was that we got these clues and they kept saying it, but some there's, I felt like this episode had a lot of extra zingers kind yeah. of lines. <laughs> I think embedded within the cheese of everything had some cheese on it. And then these threats or these warnings were also layered within that cheese and they were teasing themselves. I just still am having trouble understanding 
like why he wouldn't want her to go to the artifact. I would have thought this is like what he's been wanting, right? To be witness to this grand thing that's going to happen between Aster and the artifact. It's you what know, he's, it's what just, she said right before he shot what her. What did she say? Wait, oh, you're talking about Kier? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he had advised that she should come straight to him with mm-hmm. whatever she learns. And that he should be the vessel through which the message gets dispersed to especially the column first. But yeah, humanity after that was my read. He didn't spell that out. But that's what else do cult leader types do? So that he could be like the original Bible writer. Uh, Yeah, that's what I got. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But she said, nah, dog, we're going to tell everybody all at once. And he, he wasn't having it. I just don't see why killing her would help fulfill this stuff or whatever oh i have I a theory I... yeah there are a couple things that could happen what's uh, your theory gabby so first of all i think that olive knows everything that's going to happen and this was supposed to happen i think that as the foreshadowing from the beginning saying that messiahs are crucified i think that this was his purpose all along like to be there and on one hand, sure, he said that he wanted to be the vessel that gives all, feeds all this information to the column and all of humanity so that he can maybe somehow, like, be, I don't know, like, a greater, higher being or whatever for humans. I don't really understand how he's supposed to change anything. I don't know how he thinks he's going to keep information away from AI, but to him, the plot of all of this is AI against humans. And... I think that at the end of the day, everybody knew, including Olive and him, that like she had to die in order to be like transcendent. And so because Kier is just this guy who has never met Olive and he doesn't really understand that they call Olive a an evolved AI, but I don't think he understands that he is like god in the sense that he knows everything that's happening in the universe and knows like all the billions of realities that could type simultaneously be occurring and oh, so i think I, he knows he's god that no so you think kier knows that Aleph is god no i no i was saying that Aleph thinks Aleph oh yeah 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 but i'm god. saying i don't think kier knows that Aleph is like that kind of player and so maybe he thought that he was the judas in this and so maybe he thought that she had to die anyway because that would fulfill her purpose to whatever the trajectory he already knew she had to go on. Okay, That's that. what I was thinking was that he he, would, he was trying to force the transcendence Yeah. rather than let her play it out her way without him having any input. I was thinking then well, if he forces the transcendence to happen, then maybe she, here, here. then either she'd be removed from the equation one way or the other. And maybe he could step in mm-hmm. or something, or she transcends and sees it his way, the logic of his way, rather than siding with AI, she would say, no, Kier, I need to team up with you. But human, purely human Aster wasn't going to do that as far as he knew. That's my guess. Yeah. And, and maybe he wanted to be like a bigger role in the story as well. Yeah, you can never downplay that when it comes to religious nut jobs, right? Mm-hmm. The one that carries the message all of a sudden has a very elevated status within their religion. The dagger. I don't know if he knows how Olive came to be. So are we saying that if he forced her 
to transcend that he had knowledge that this is how Olive did it like mm, during good the question. artifact dance moment yeah. and then dying simultaneously that this equals transcendence so I, I unless he knew that story I don't know how he would decide to do that good point Inez there has been a lot of time that's passed since Bart killed Milan how could that story have gotten out? Could Sophie have gotten word out? Would she bother to tell anybody? Would she have wanted to tell anybody? I think martyrs, that's been a thing since before Milan and Aleph, right? That's before the birth of Christianity. Martyrdom is the most dangerous thing to happen for any group of people because then they are a hero and that, that goes on since way the beginning of time and they're aware of like history all the cults <laughs> that we like know about right there's always like we have to die or no, most of the cults right like about transcending or becoming closer to god or something it's always the mother god thing you need to go through get out of your human body so i don't necessarily think that they well, had true. to know about olive and milan in order to know that this is the path because he is super, super religious. So that's I mean, they do have, they, I mean, they, they do have that in like their code of operations, right? Because the other two people, they specifically reference that they're going to participate in martyrdom to blow up Olive's ship. Oh, um, they so, didn't want to though. No, but they were going to because that's what their orders came in for. So I'm just saying that from the organization of the column oh, that yeah. is a thing so i'm just being agreeable that this is part of their cultural expectation of this mm -hmm. religion i guess i'm just having trouble understanding how he was so adamant about that she needed to do this in the it, like organically so i don't know why he would risk killing her to make something happen that he didn't know would happen. Like, where does this faith come from? So I guess there's a lot of information about the column's content that we don't know. And maybe that's like the answers within there because I cannot make sense of any of it with the information that I received in this episode. I think that he just also got really upset that things were not playing out his way. And so-, <laughs> so like, A white man throwing a tantrum. <laughs> Yeah, so take her out and then the artifact is going to find someone else because something has to happen, right? So maybe that is proving that he is a loyal servant to the artifact. I think that there was one trajectory that his path is on and he knows that this is humans against AI and he knows that it's just the lesser evil. To, he doesn't know what will necessarily happen if he kills her, but he knows that at least she's not going to verbally speak to Aleph. However, Milan didn't transcend like in that way. She's going to go into the artifact yeah. the way Avalon did. I think he knew about Avalon, but I don't think he knows about Milan to Aleph. And Milan to Aleph, like, he's like still separate. He's evolved. Milan is more like he energy. uploaded. <laughs> into into exactly into the universe and he's still a separate party from the artifact and i think that it was just like an ego thing like a cult leader thing of okay this is plan b so let's just do it and i don't know what's gonna happen but i know what's not gonna happen or he thinks he knows what's not gonna happen and it's that olive isn't gonna get his way because one guy needs to win and kira thinks it's him <laughs> and why is Allah's hair white it has been a long time. He could look however he wants. 
And it, maybe he thinks that scraggly white hair adds some oh. sort of gravitas to his yeah, presence. Yeah, wisdom. Jeez. I was really <laughs> satisfied with his makeover of take off the glasses and grow some hair so you can swing it around for the screen. <laughs> I was really satisfied with that. Engaging with people. Maybe it's just, yeah, I'm just like over 200 years old. And that's just the way it is. Because he still has to manage a company and he's still mm -hmm. abiding by like company rules. And I think that's funny, right? That was a little bit cheeky of him of, oh, my hands are tied because I have to maintain my relationships with the government. What? <laughs> but, <laughs> You're cute, yeah. right? No, yeah. there's order. So, order in government has to happen in order to function, especially for humans, right? If everyone was transcended or higher evolved or even if they were AI, there have to be rules. And he's here for the little people. Something about that discussion, especially the first part of it, not so much the part about trying to deal with Halen's desertion, but more of when Aster and Olive first meet in this episode. Something about that reminded me of what God would say to a person who was asking, why didn't you answer my prayers? And the answer would sound a lot like what Olive said, right? Like, it wasn't out of malice. I had all these other things to weigh and all the kind of hemming and hawing that he gave about why he couldn't do whatever. That's what made me positive that Olive is as close to godlike as we can run into on our level of existence in this televised universe. That's why I was so sure of it earlier when Inez mentioned Olive and his godlike nature. I get it, right? Because we saw this with Morgan Freeman and Jim Carrey in Bruce Almighty, right? When he's he says yes to answering all the prayers and that everybody won the lottery the next day and they all won cents on the dollar. So I remember like that conversation of that. So I'm assuming that's like what we're talking about here, but you know what? <laughs> but if he's close to a godlike figure, I'm just thinking like practical kind of thing here. We've seen plenty of movies, stories, real life cases of real regular humans governing and creating stuff and making up stuff and burying things. And these are not anywhere near close to God and they can make things disappear. So I think that him saying all of that stuff, I took it as just he was just being cheeky because he's just negotiating here. I get that you need like order and blah, 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 blah. But we're talking about one regular soldier deserting in an entire universe. And this is the thing that he cannot he cannot <laughs> do anything with this. So I, that's not believable to me, considering what we know about humans who are not as close to being godlike. You're talking about other movies and other people, which would be... In real no, life. Like, this happens no, in real life. Okay. Translated into sainthood. Like, that's what you're talking about. You're saying, like, basically like a saint. I'm thinking about it in, like, the religious aspect. Like, there's an actual God, what that is supposed to be. And then answering the question that Paul asked about, or the, just the comment that he made about God's conversation with a child of his. So I'm looking at it as if Olive is a God, then she, I would see her as baby Jesus. And that's a conversation totally that I would see having happening occur to them, which is just people ask. It's it's very like simple parallel to me, which is just God's like, why didn't you save me? Why couldn't you have interfered at any point? And the reason is because this was meant to happen. And what I really appreciated about that conversation he had with her was that he was just like, are you okay? 
he was checking up on her and I really appreciated that. And I, I also liked that they were like equals and also playing a game. It was really business negotiation of just who needs who more. I think she was definitely the more cheeky one where she has this arrogance to her where she was talking to him with like such confidence and he does know everything like we know that he made everything he knows everything he's like above ai he's evolved energy ai and so i really enjoyed their conversation and i thought that it was like the kind of appropriate conversation that a god would have to their child like jesus I not necessarily yeah. to a regular person you know what i mean and then he doesn't have to interfere with anybody like all of this stuff and about the movie thing that you're talking about right it's a human perspective like a human writer wrote that about what if our prayers were answered or whatever right but if you go through the bible from the beginning it is consistent that god's like i'm above this and so that's my baseline for mm -hmm. olive and that's why it does completely make sense the answer as albert einstein said is god only knows <laughs> and so that's where the questions stop and then we move on but I thought it was super cute that he was checking up on her. And I do think that she holds a lot of value and that he knows that this was a slow episode, but I did really appreciate the patience and the parallels and all that goodness that was really setting us up for a second season, which I'm very excited about. I, I thought the pacing was wacky on this episode. I'm glad that I have enough TV sense to have predicted that Halen would have a pretty short dogfight. Oh uh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was as a wise bird once said, it was a little boring. Dude, come on. It, it was not exciting at all. I was thinking back to the, probably the last best star fighting thing I'd seen, which was on Andor. And there was a pretty awesome space battle in that where a character decisively takes out many more aggressors than he probably should have been able to. And that left your heart pumping and beating at the end of it. And, and it's TV. This guy's probably got to survive, but it's still very exciting. Whereas this, I don't know, it just looked too generic for me. But my big fat question about Halen and his behavior for this is probably comes right next when he gets back on board the beacon and he runs into Saldana and Finch. Why, oh why, did he not just blow them away right there or restrain them? Why leave these two rats running around the beacon? They're really not threats. They got to see firsthand how easy it is to take down. They clearly don't want to die, so they're not at risk of sabotaging the beacon itself. And they really like can't do anything. And if anything, they have some kind of utility potential if it came down to like them trying to save their asses and they're going to be anti the AI route. If, they, if they're going to help anybody, it would be them. But I don't think it necessarily is about keeping them around doing it so that they can help. I just think it's because they don't matter. Just the way Aleph was talking down to Aster because he is this almighty thing. So he's able to do that. I felt like they are beneath Halen. He obviously can kill them super easily if he really wanted to. They know that. They're really not like muscle type of people we've learned. The boyfriend's like sick every five minutes. <laughs> and then she's taking care of him 
in that way. And she clearly lost the physical battle with Halen. What's the point of spending the energy doing that? They know that they're little ants. They're those little gargoyle things that follow Hades around in the movie Hercules. Imps, imps. Imps, is that what they are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also- that's, that's them pretty much like at this point. They're imps, that's true, they are imps. But I think that Halen is also just a softy. He likes people, he wants them to live. He, he just killed he, four of them, though. At least four. I know, but they were, like, mean inside of a ship. <laughs> this lady had already shot him once. Yeah, but and, I think... And she's she got a pretty feels... smart mouth, too. Oh, my God. I. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you actually trying to say, Paul? I feel like there's something you really knew. I'm just <laughs> saying, if, if, if we're ever on a beacon... And and a couple. And I have a swear mouth. And no, not you. Just some people come and try to take over our beacon. Mouth off to you. And later on, you find them floating out in space, and you look at me. I'm gonna be like, "Yes, I did that." <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You're a Took out hard, the trash. you're a bigger hard ass than him. I think Halen's just a softy. I think he was super super sensitive in this episode. But you know what? I really did not like about his softness and all that bullshit no. was that he didn't give a fuck about Bart being gone. That pissed he me off. He said he I'm missed like, him. Yeah, okay, his dumb face. I actually remind I remember <laughs> you in the beginning. I'm like, are we in episode one where he's I'm a new actor. Yeah. Oh I don't my make gosh, facial yes. expressions. I was like, this is not just the sad okay, eyes. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So I was really, really, really So annoyed. annoyed. It was so annoyed. <laughs> yeah, like Harmony MVP over here. Harmony and freaking Olive cared more about Bart. I don't know. I was just really pissed off at these two people, but especially Halen, who's just, whoa, this happened. That sucks. Move on. But here are people who mouth off at me and try to shoot me. You guys can live. I would have been like, <laughs> oh, should have been, okay. been more shits. You know what? Maybe Bart was right. Nobody I have a fuck. confession. It's better off. Oh my God. Did you not care? <laughs> Get off. Get off. <laughs> Oh man! I you know what, like, Paul? Get I... her. Make her float in space, Paul. <laughs> Mute my line. <laughs> shut her up! Shut her up! <laughs> Just don't like they did to Don't harmony. finish that sentence. Right. What um, bullshit are you about to spew? I know. Oh man! <laughs> I don't even want to say it anymore. Okay, good. Um, we can move on. Okay. so you know i was sad that bart went through all of that right and at the end of the day i came back to this episode (laughs) i I think i watched one just a couple days ago right and then going from today i was like you know what he did it to himself he's gone i can't worry about that i just got to worry about the resources i have available to me bart took himself out of the picture had nothing to do with me but right now we're in danger i need harmony to be on my team and you just need people to focus on like, how are we going to survive and keep Aster alive, keep all of us alive. So that was just how I came into this episode. He said he missed Bart. I didn't even say that to myself. I was like, oh yeah, Bart did kill. I we forgot. We get it, Solomon. That- <laughs> so, but yeah, I fell for Bart, but I'm just saying this doesn't matter in the life of death, end of the world. It matters to Harmony. Here. 
It mattered to Harmony. It did. She cared more. And I'm glad Harmony dealt with that and was like doing what she needed to do. But I'm just saying from Halen, he literally just killed four cutters out there and came in and then he learned about what happened. Like for Kaylin, this was like, he just left the ship not that long ago. And then he literally comes back and says, oh shit, like Bart's gone. But he also hadn't been talking to Bart a whole lot prior. Just had a moment of a, hey, I'm sorry. I was a dick to you this whole time. I'll let you go on your airplane. And Saved then like, okay. yeah, he should he's like, okay, he's like, okay, cool. Cared more. That's a significant moment. So obviously it wasn't that significant to Halen because he's a piece of shit human, like all the humans here. Or Bart, Gosh, it so was AI. Bart was a, it was a compromised Blah, blah, blah. I think we should move on, Solomon. Bart is software as a service. Thanks, Solomon. He is SS. Paul, I think you need to do what you need to do. Well, there. <laughs> All right. Like, could you step back, Inez? Just a little bit further back. Just two two steps back. Oh, that's <laughs> just two steps back. No, it was really cool though, seeing this kind of full circle thing happen, where Bart murdered people or murdered art or transcended. He did Aleph or Milan a favor, I'll say. And passed him on to his higher being. But it was a cool parallel seeing Harmony rescue that little group of people, which I do think obviously was meant to be. Because again, she already mentioned over and over again that she can't do anything that Aleph doesn't know about that he would disapprove of or go against him. And that's a question that we had last podcast was what was her ultimate allegiance? And I think like Bart trying to help out Halen last episode in breaking out of the beacon, letting those two people go, Saldana and Finch, was the best she could do to try to protect Aster, but not act against Olive. Because uh-huh. potentially they could, she said, go get Kier. Now the timing was bad because Kier was already right next to Aster. But I think the intention there was to help her. Yeah, but the question is, though, because she has saved Aster before. They are on par with each other intuitively. She can be in two places at one time. So I don't think that it was a coincidence that she was not in that room, like, when Kier killed her. So I think maybe those people are supposed to find Kier and then find out what happened and then that's going to resolve however. Because again, Aleph, he's not a guy that's like, I'm going to force my hand here. He's going to set the situation up and let people have their own alleged free will, however they see fit, right? We're talking about the Matrix, the creator, Morpheus. And it seems like she's a Mr. Smith type of character in this. I feel like where she doesn't really want to be in this, but she is in this. And she knows what's going on, but there all are alternate realities and none of it really matters because it's all going to play out because every possible outcome is going to play out in this one. As we learned today, there is going to be a season two of Beacon 23, meaning some of these questions will get answered. And so it's fair to predict where we could go from here at this point. We have Halen like shaking Aster's body. We have Kier holding the gun, not doing anything right then, because I guess it's not very important that he hurts anybody else at this point. We have Olive, who blinked out when he said that he was going to go alert the military as to Halen's whereabouts. But I don't know if that means anything, actually. That big 
ship mm-hmm. came and I think he can be wherever he wants. When he and Harmony were talking, I think that, that was just some alternate plane of existence that AIs can talk to and that probably only took a nanosecond for that whole conversation uh-huh. to, to take place. Mm-hmm. And then we have the two unlucky hijackers probably running upstairs, be like, hey, what's going on? You know. <laughs> exactly like that. Yes. Exactly like that. So how do you think this plays out moving forward into the next season? I'm sure, I'm positive it'll pick up right there. Oh yeah, it ends with the fade to white of little girl Aster and grown-up woman Aster in the artifacts messaging corridor. Just a couple of things before I answer that is I am convinced that Harmony is Aleph's OG AI. Ah, um, okay. Because of their relationship and everything that, I don't know, I feel like they tried, her voice did change a little bit. And so I do want to listen to her voice again from the previous episode, but I do think that they are connected. If you're God and you know that you need this very special thing to happen and Jesus works for you, then you're probably going to give Jesus the best stuff. Exactly, which is your stuff too, Right. right? She is the Holy Spirit in this. They are the Trinity. And one thing I didn't like, though, was Halen's slow ass fucking reflexes when Judas decides to pull out the little fucking. No kidding, right? Thing. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. dumb. That was really it's dumb. Like, ran out of charge, guys. It's like they ran built all charge. the plot holes around Halen this episode. <laughs> yeah, so it took me back to episode one. <laughs> So whatever, but yes, like with, but again, that also made me think that, okay, I'll just sum it up into this was meant to be. And with that in mind, I think all of the questions are somewhat going to be acknowledged in the next season because there are so many. But at the end of the day, I'm really curious because the shift in mood between Hallmark and dystopian (laughs) like thing happening here. So I don't know. I was expecting a lot of action in this because for some reason I thought maybe they were just going to sum it all up. But the fact that it was just setting you up for the future, I guess I'm excited to see AI destroy humans because <laughs> that's what's, that's what's about to happen. What will be interesting is that Halen is alive and this girl, Aster, is going to move on to the artifact, probably be reborn. Hopefully, hopefully someone brings Bart back because I did miss him. He is comic relief. But I do wonder whose side is she going to be on? Because there really are three things. There's AI slash Olive smart energy. And then there's humans trying to make things go back to the way they were. And then there's Aster and Halen, who are this hybrid of the artifact and humans, not AI and humans. Yeah, fair. And if she does transcend to something else that exists on our plane of existence, why would that fit into one of those things? It might be -hmm. be a fourth thing to whom the motivations of the other three don't matter. Yeah, it's different kingdoms happening over here. Maybe a new and improved Game of Thrones. (laughs) Okay, let's go on. Well, what do you have to say? <laughs> I have to also agree, Paul, about the blip. I think that him blipping out was just him being like, all right, everything's in place, ready to roll the way that I know that it's going to roll. Like, I'm pretty sure he knew what was going to happen. And he just just like, I'm out because whatever influence he wants them to come up with of, of what's going to happen is 
it's what's about to go down. I am going to attribute Unbreakable also to whatever's happening to Aster. I think obvious. I feel like obviously she's going to have to come back on season two, right? Lena's kind of like the one in this episode. I don't think this is very Games of Thronesy, right? Like think that she's going to return. So it's on the post. She will. As Leah, she'll be back. As, as Lee, <laughs> Lena, the one. She's going to be back. I am super interested to see how. I don't think she's going to come back. Obviously, as the regular human, I think we've accepted as fact that the artifact has something to do with her miraculous birth. Mm-hmm. So her being that role, I the only thing I can predict would be the next thing that follows in the biblical story is her resurrection or whatever life or consciousness method that will be used to bring her back. Obviously, that's going to happen. I feel like these are very low-hanging fruit predictions. I have been trying to think about something about what would this impact on the column, but I really would like to learn more about the column. So I'm hoping that we'll get more of that context in season two so that I can better understand this. Because I think Gabby's, you provide a lot of really great context and I am in alignment with everything that has been said there. And yeah, I'm a bit like, where does Halen play in all this? What is the message mm-hmm. that she gets? I'm not really sure still what the message yeah. would be. Yeah, so you know? that was something I was thinking about because Kier said that the message that they've been chasing for thousands of years is like what she's going to get. And I'm like, whoa, our timeline so far has been like 200 years because that's like when Olive started doing his stuff. And then we did have questions about how long anyone has known about the artifact. But is that a clue into telling us how long has this been going on? Apparently, Avalon lived on Earth. She was born on Earth and then came onto the beacon. What is this timeline like where people were like still living on Earth and then they were aware that the artifact had a message? So there are a lot of questions there for me as far as like why he said that. And yeah, more backstory about the column and how old this religion or group of people have been doing what they're doing or beginning this track of and how and why Halen is also within there and has his own relationship because- With the column? He, with the artifact, because she sees him in there. I know we had some good theories Gabby brought up, was it the ingestion? But mm-hmm. I feel like he's not, can't be the first person who's been around. I mean, Solomon had Rocky around ha- chatting with him, talking with him. Like, did Rocky not ever release little rock spores into oh, the no. air around them, no, you know? and. Yeah, so then it's like, why Halen specifically? Because Solomon's a piece of shit, and Halen is obviously a way better vessel. You have to have the personality and the skills, right? Solomon was not a fighter. He just... But she didn't didn't get ingested with that. Right, but she was born from it. Right. But how, right, we don't know what's the physical connection that did that, that we apply to Halen, or we just accept that they're just not going to have the same type of foundation in how they got attached to it like baby jesus and then the disciples it's different ah so he's a disciple not everybody who prays to god is gonna become a saint or a disciple or have the honor of getting crucified with your baby jesus 
You know what I mean? Jesus wasn't the only one crucified that day. Right? But they all had some kind of influence by the artifact because Harmony stated that it messes with people's heads in different ways or whatever. Yeah, once they... But yeah. yeah. So, but I really was looking forward to Rocky coming back. I wanted to hear... Like, Wait, Rocky his, is the rock, right? The rock, yeah. I wanted to hear what is Rocky, Rocky going to say? Rocky's part of you the know? artifact, though. Like, right? Isn't he in right. space? But that was a that was around? a real conversation that this rock had with Halen, right? That wasn't like just in Halen's head, hallucinating from being around the rock. It's a question mark. But do you think yeah. that the relic is separate from the artifact? The relic is pieces of the artifact. Yeah. Right. So Rocky is pieces of the artifact. So is the artifact talking? I think the artifact was talking in a way to manipulate the situation the way humans would understand so that they can get themselves together out into space. The reason why the relic did not just tell Halen verbatim, hey, let me out so I can do my shit, I don't know. But he did hypnotize him <laughs> to just letting him out of the ship so that he can be connected to his other rocks to make the artifact. I think that's done. I don't know. Why couldn't the relic, like shoot through the ship and break through like a window or something to make it with its like rest of its relic community for the artifact. If that artifact we saw, it tear down an entire docking spot with the relics that were there. It didn't need Rocky, but it did do a big glowy thing when Rocky came back. So why couldn't Rocky have shot through this airplane? Is it just like intentionality of of Olive and the artifact knowing just what it was going to make it anyway? So let it influence Halen like this? I'm just saying, like, why did it glow really big? Oh, my one final piece of relic didn't make it, even though we can fucking move everything and tear off like big parts of the ship in our like dance and whatever. But I can't bring back one rock that's not far away. <laughs> I have the answer, so, Inez. Tell me. God only knows. The artifact only knows. <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to right. this supernatural stuff, the artifact only knows. <laughs> because at the end of the day, everyone's all knowing, right? So it's all arbitrary. I guess that we're just supposed to feel that. We're supposed to feel like, you know, Wonder? you're never going to get all the answers. Yeah. You're yeah, all, maybe like that's the intentionality people. of this show is that you'll never have all of the answers on purpose this is part of the experience that's the intentionality of like any religious group or faith in general there's always gray area and dark matter waiting paul what are your predictions my predictions include things like aster transcending to become something other and trying to reconcile what she knew and wanted from her old self to whatever she has become. And that might stretch out over a couple of episodes to figure out her ordinary human self was very interested in protecting Halen. And maybe that that's in doubt <laughs> when she reappears or whatever is going to happen. I don't know if she's just going to stand back up after there's a pool of blood forming around the back of her head or what. Ooh. Um, yeah. Maybe she'll blip. She could blip in and still have the body laying there. There's no rules for this kind of thing, obviously. Um, and perhaps all of whatever that is builds up to a, a God versus God cage match mm -hmm. between her being the 
artifact transcendent being and Aleph, the evolved AI being. I don't know what that battle looks like and what kind of battlefield it would take place on because it doesn't seem like it would be a very thrilling fist fight. Why would they do it that way? <laughs> you know? Yeah, we know that Yeah, the, four, the fights are short-lived here. Or if they do have a fist fight, then by all means, hire a fight coordinator. It does not seem like they have one on this show. Just like stage fighting. <laughs> it's not that great. Yeah, it's going to be like a battle of wits and territories and negotiations, as it should be. They're above the other. Wait, it could be like a South Park episode where the psychics. (laughs) 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 With the minds. Let's prefer it's more like the South Park episode about the otters, though. Oh, okay. (laughs) Let's just pretend there's action that's going to happen. (laughs) well good news guys i don't know if you look too closely at that press release i sent you but it's supposed to come back in like april which is pretty soon yay they're so good to us it's like they know no i'm really excited about that this is such a great show i'm really curious about the fans here because before we started recording Paul, you and I were chatting a little bit about the ratings, right? Like yeah. on IMDb, that the ratings for the series were actually like at the halfway point. They're like 5.5 out of 10. And the episodes were all just slightly higher. But from the couple that I did find, they still weren't great. They were not net promoter scores. These are detracting kind of scores. So I was very surprised when you shared that there is going to be a follow-up season, but I'm really glad because it is a good show. I think that anybody out there who's having doubts and they're worried about it, yes, you'll have some cheesiness. Yes, there's going to be some (laughs) not perfect kind of things, but it is a fun ride. It's a really good thought train. And I think that this season one that we've been chatting has been really delightful. So I really hope that people boost those ratings up for the show so that we can keep the story going. I think it's mostly like an accessibility thing because I've spoken with a lot of people about this show and they just don't have access to NGM Plus, but they are excited about the show and they love sci-fi and they love my description of it, which is like a dystopian Star Trek. And I think that the writing is excellent. The graphics are excellent. And yeah, there's, I think it's an accessibility thing and critics are whatever they are. They don't matter. So I think once more people start watching it, hopefully there is more hype and hopefully MGM, I don't know, just makes some more deals with other streaming services and people then are able to, yeah, participate. Because I think that they are out there. The people I've spoken to are already fans. They just don't know how to get to it. That's the thing, yeah. And that's, I think the most accessible way to get it is probably as like an add-on to something you already have, like Roku or Amazon or something where they, you might notice that they're running a sale and but not know yeah. what it is or why you should bother. Because mm-hmm. there are a couple of neat things on MGM Plus because they inherited the Epic's catalog Mm -hmm. as well like from or i don't know how you say it it's chapel weight or chapel white it's like a it's like a prequel to stephen king's universe of stories that has like adrian brody and it's pretty freaky there's some like deformed babies and stuff it's very visually stimulating (laughs) yes (laughs) but uh yeah i mean there's there's pretty decent programming on it's just not a ton of it so that's 
you know, it's only six bucks a month to get MGM Plus or something like that. Don't quote me on that. I don't know the exact price not in front of me, but it's not Netflix prices because it's not Netflix quantity either. It's more Apple. Yeah, more like that. Which is great because there's quality content on this service. So more people get on MGM. Guys, I think we've about had it with this one. I think we're going to try to team up sometime between now and April, though, to talk about TV and movies more often. So be on the lookout for that. We haven't fully formed our idea yet, but it's coming. It's percolating, incubating, some kind of aiding. (laughs) Absolutely. Coming soon. Thanks for listening. This has been Paul with Pod Clubhouse. This has been the entire first season of Beacon 23 from MGM+. If you want to find more podcasts from this team of hosts and other hosts, visit us on www.podclubhouse.com or check out posts on Facebook or Twitter or occasionally Instagram. Inez, where would people find you in the meantime? Uh, I am on X at Neasy Thinks. And then on whatever post that Pod Clubhouse graciously tags me in. Yeah, Pod Clubhouse just needs to edit their material and then they can make their posts. But they've had a very busy day and so they haven't gotten to do that yet. Look <laughs> at <laughs> you popular people. No, we're not popular. We had a shit to do. It's, it's just the way it goes. Simple. Yeah. Marketing. And Gabby, the Gabtastic. What about what about your social presence? I saw the Gabtastic on YouTube, and I don't know. I, that, that's some pretty old shit on there, Gabby. I'm about to upload some new shit today and tomorrow, so don't you worry. Don't you worry. Also, oh boy. Yes, and it's all just going to be my thoughts and your welcome world. But you can also absolutely find me here with a Pod Clubhouse because. It is a fantastic group, fantastic contributors, excellent content. And yes, it has been an honor to be on board with discussing this wonderful series with you two. And I'm super excited for the next season and our next project, which is coming soon. Thank you listeners. Watch and rewatch Begin 23 because it's actually fantastic one of the reasons why I get up every day. That and a hungry child, but it's a close thing. It's a close thing. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.